Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Church, my left ear is a bit blocked. So if I'm speaking overly loud, I'm sorry. It's a bit blocked. I can't hear very much. So you guys, if you're going to encourage anything of the word tonight, I need to hear you. Don't forget, if, you're, if you agree with something, make sure you... Let us know. Let's agree on the word tonight. This is not a one-way conversation, okay? Like I say, I preach to youth every week. They talk through my messages. So you talking to me during my messages is not going to put me off. In fact, it's going to make me feel at home. Is that cool? Awesome. I don't have much time, but we're going to get into the book of Nehemiah. You can turn there. Nehemiah is a great book. And um, I was thinking about this today. I was thinking about the fact that we only have two months left for 2019. Can you believe that? Two months left until 2019. We have our Ormo carols coming up. Come on, people, we can get excited about that. We have Ormo carols coming up. That's better. We have so many amazing things happening. The year is about to wrap up. And then here we are as believers. We've all set goals at the beginning of this year. I'm going to take you back to January when we set some New Year's resolutions. Who set some New Year's resolutions? Now, and no one's going to put up their hand because they did, but they didn't fulfill them probably. They reckon that only 8% of people actually accomplish their New Year's resolutions. And I was thinking, that's a shame because I was one of them. (laughs) So there's a lot of people in this room today, tonight who we've set goals this year and somehow, somewhere along the way, they've just sort of become ideas. Not really what we wanted to, well, we, we, we say, you know what, I didn't really set that goal, I just thought it would be a good idea. We make excuses for each other, don't we? And I was thinking about the fact that we're two months out from the end of the year, what a shame it would be for us not to end this year stronger than the way we started. You see, so often in this time of the year, we get to the cruise mode. We just want a survival. We just get into that mode where I need to get through Christmas. I need to get through Christmas shopping. I need to get through affording this season. I need to get through all of the breakup parties. I need to get through all of the, all of the Christmas parties, the staff parties, the kids' parties. Every single thing that Christmas brings, we go into survival mode. But I think that we can end 2019 stronger than the way that we started I believe that God is going to move in us tonight, that he's going to give us new ideas, new, new, new inspirations, that we haven't just met here, we, we're not just here to fill a seat tonight, that we're actually here to, to create some movement tonight in our hearts, that we're here to get some things, some, some memories going again, to get some ideas going again, some ideas that we've given up on this year that we thought were too hard, that we thought we would just leave at June, you know, we tried all those months and we're just going to leave it halfway through the year, you know, there's some things things that we can pick up tonight that we, can, that we can see accomplished even by the end of this year. Some of those things that we wanted to grow in God, we wanted to grow in our depth of knowledge of who God is, we wanted to step out and pray for more people, we wanted to pray just to begin with. Some of these things that God has called us into, a new life, more life, some peace, whatever it looks like, I believe that we can end 2019 better than the way that we started. I'm not, we don't have to wait till 2020 to say now is a fresh beginning because the Bible says that his mercies are new, what? Every day. So every day I wake up, his mercies are new and every day I wake up, I can wake up with a new determination to see his will become perfected in my life. Do you hear me at the back? Do you hear me at the front? Awesome. Every single day, his mercies are new. And I love the story of Nehemiah because it's about building stuff. And if, you're, if, if you love to build stuff, I love building stuff. I love seeing what, what can happen. I'm not very good at building stuff most of the time. Some things I can build well, but physically speaking, I'm not the best at building 
stuff. And I remember the, the, uh, only a couple of weeks ago now, I was talking to Dan Llewellyn. Where's Dan Llewellyn? Right here. He's our, he's our youth intern, and he does a great job every week. Can we please give it up for Dan Llewellyn right here? And I, was, I found myself talking to Dan, and Dan, he is, he, he can build stuff. He can build things. He's just, he's one of those guys that can weld, panel beat, do whatever you need. He is the dream intern. Um, but he, I'm talking to him, to him about youth camp, and I just said to him, you know what, we can have whatever we want at youth camp, we just have to build it, which is right from Pastor Barra's playbook. And I remember saying, if we can build it, we can have it, because we did it at Gilston, which we were blessed to be able to do our youth camp at Gilston at our own property. And I said those things to him, and I'm like, you know what, you can think of a punishment that we can give kids, like a fun punishment that we can give kids for our Judge Geordie, which is like our camp court. Every day we do a camp court, and we get these kids who have done a prank or something before the court, and we, can, we convict them, and they go for, before the jury, which is everybody, and every day, everyone's guilty, because everybody wants to see the kid get the punishment they deserve. And I said to Dan, you know what, you can create the punishment, and remember, if you can build it, we can do it. And Dan comes back to me with this idea that it was just so crazy that I loved it. A little, the, the youth pastor in me loved it. The health and safety in me went, oh, I don't know if we can do that, but you know what, we did it. And he had, he had the idea to build stocks for our punishment station. And I'm, uh, you can throw them up on the screen. He legit built these stocks because we were going to, do we have them? There they are. He built stocks and we punished the young people. Go to the next one. Next slide if we can. And we punish the young people, tomatoes on the head. We punish the young people by putting them in the stocks, convicting them, and then pouring tomatoes and sausages and whatever else we could find in the food storage area. Next slide if we have it. That's Geordie right there, Geordie Canes. And we punish them, and it was just all on Dan. He's just like, you know what, we're going we're gonna to make some stocks. And I'm like, you know what, let's do it. Because if we can, I said it, if we can build it, we can have it. It's incredible what happens. It's incredible what creativity happens when you're given the freedom. I would have never have thought to build stocks to punish our teenagers at youth camp. But you know what? They loved it. It was great. It was fun. And it looked awesome. And it's exactly what we needed. And Dan came up with that idea because he was willing to build it and he was willing to think outside the box. Growing up, we, we did two renovations and we built one house in my lifetime. And there were some things that I picked up about renovations. The thing about a renovation is that it involves everybody, even if you don't want to be involved. If you grow up in a family, a large family, and they're renovating the house, everybody is renovating the house. Everybody is in on renovating the house. Why? Because it's a family effort. And you know the thing about love, I love about church is that when we come together, there are some things, there are some changes that we make in our life, but it is better. But so much better to do it as family together in community when everybody knows that we're all in this together. It's not about judging the mess on somebody else's life and going, look at their mess. No, they're just in renovation, just like me. And as, as we renovate together, as we make changes together, as we build stuff together, as we do what Pastor Byron's been talking about, bringing in all the scraps and building something of worth, then that's where the value is. So you there, see, there is value in the person sitting next to you. We're not just filling chairs or filling a building. We're not just enjoying aircon. We're here together, living this life, doing the process of life, and building each other along the way. It's a family effort renovating. It's, it, it gets you creative when you start to dream and build again. And some of us have been discouraged, I feel, that we've, been, we've stopped that creativity flowing in our life. 
we've stopped as if, you know what, I've reached the limit of where I'm able to go, or I've tried in the past to create a better life, or I've tried in the past to get closer to God, or I've tried in the past to put these things in place. And it would be a lie to come here tonight to, and think that you're all God has called you to be, or you're exactly, you're stuck where you are. Because God is a God who wants to journey beside us. He's a God who wants to take us with him in this journey, and he's a God of community. And the best thing we can do for each other tonight is just to say, you know what, as we walk out of here, I'm going to look for somebody I haven't met. I'm going to try to encourage them. I'm going to try to hear their story. I'm going to I'm try to connect them in with my story. And together, we're going to build this life that we have. You see, it's not just individual. It's, it, it's, it's, it's a company of people. It's a community of people. And we build together, and God does wondrous things. God's word says where there is unity, he commands a blessing. I don't know about you, but I want blessing. Do you want blessing? Let's get unity. Let's get unity in our renovations that take place. Yes, there's mess, but the mess turns to a message every single time. The mess must turn to a message when we hand it to God. Yeah, there's going to be some things that need to go. There's going to be need some need to be some things that need to grow, and God's going to turn every single thing that we call mess into a message. It's the beauty of church. I love the story of uh, Nehemiah because he finds himself in the king's palace, technically a slave, but he's in a fairly good position because he's a wise man. He's the cupbearer to the king, and he the the Israelites had been allowed to go back to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem had laid in ruins for over 150 years up until this point. The people, uh, the Israelites had been allowed to go back to Jerusalem for 100 years. So there's been 100 years where they've been back and they've been allowed to go back. They could have done whatever they wanted in that period. Nehemiah asks a question to some people who come back from Jerusalem because he hasn't been allowed to go. And he goes, how is it? What does it look like? Are the walls built? Expecting things to have been in progress. You know, 100 years, you'd think they would have started something. The beautiful city, his home city. And they go, no, 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 it, it lays in ruins. There's nothing happening. It's still burnt to the ground. And I, and I love Nehemiah's reaction because from the palace he can say, it's not really my problem. It's over 800 miles away. I don't really care about Jerusalem. I'm fine and I'm comfortable here. It would have been easy for him to say that to ignore the rubble that all of his ancestors and all of his generations with him were doing. But he took it upon himself. And it says in Nehemiah 2, 1, 2 to 4, it says, I'm just gonna call him Han. One of my brothers came from Judah with some other men and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned, fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. You see, everybody else was used to the rubble. Everybody else in, in Jerusalem who had been living there, who had been occupying that space, was used to the rubble that the, walls used, that the walls were, except for Nehemiah. His heart, when he hears that the walls still lay in ruin, becomes broken. And I love that the place he draws to is straight to God, fasting and praying. You see, we have no problems in this life. 
our real problem, the problem that will crush our faith, the problem that will, de- that will destroy our faith and destroy our relationship with God, isn't that health situation, is, isn't that financial situation, isn't that, that relational situation, it is our proximity problem with God. It's all about our proximity to God. See, my God can overcome any situation. My God is not limited to what we face here on earth. He is outside of time and space. He is bigger, greater, stronger. The Bible says that no principalities, neither height nor depth, nor angels, nor demons, nor anything else in all of creation shall be able to come between us and him. You see, it's not an earthly problem that will destroy us as believers. It's a proximity problem to God. Where are we? in relationship with God, in proximity. Are we in proximity of what he's doing? Or are we drawing close or are we pulling away? When the problem comes, just like Nehemiah, when he heard the bad report, where do we go? Do we fast, do we pray? Or do we get used to the rubble, get used to the mess, get used to the problem, and draw further and further and further away? See, the, one, the first building block that I love that Nehemiah shows so powerfully is that if we're gonna build something of worth, we need proximity to God. We need to be in God's space. The Bible says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. His presence is everywhere, yes, he is omnipresent, but our present awareness of his presence is not everywhere. I can walk down the street and not be aware of the presence of God. Therefore, I'm not occupying the presence that he has for me. But I can walk down that same street the next day and be aware of his presence and be aware of his Holy Spirit and be attentive to his voice and get a word. How does that change? It's about our awareness. It's about our mental proximity. Are we in proximity to God? Because when we get in proximity with God's heart, our heart will break after what breaks his. There's a lot of hurting people in the world. There's a lot of people who are struggling. There's a lot of people going through real situations who need a real savior. And there's a lot of rubble that a lot of people walk past every single day. There's a lot of rubble that, every, that us as Christians walk past every single day. Well, you know, the first time I went to India, I noticed every single little bit of uh, sickness, every single little bit of bad construction, <laughs> every single little bit of need. The third time you go back to India, you don't see it quite as much. What's that? It's just getting used to it. You know, the world that we live in, even in Australia, we have some of the highest suicide rates among young people in the world. We have mental health epidemics everywhere. We have, we have families being torn apart. We have, we have a, an attack really on people's minds and, and it's so rampant that we can get so used to it, the rubble. But proximity to God brings us back to a place of brokenness and proximity to God will break our hearts but when our hearts are broken, then we are ready to go. When our hearts break, that's when something actually breaks in us and says, you know what, I'm no longer living for me. I'm living for every single person who needs the Savior that I have. 
I'm living for those people who need the same grace that I have received. I'm gonna extend that same grace. I'm gonna, I, I need, uh, he's, he's healed, he healed me so he can heal those in my life. He saved my life he, so he can save others. The same power that is pulling us into the greatness of God is the same power that's available for every single person who would believe. Our job, our job is to be the conduits of heaven. We're the pipeline to heaven. We speak and, heaven's, and heaven becomes the reality. When we walk in the room, because of our proximity, because of where we've been, we bring in a new atmosphere because of our proximity to God. So as heart breaks, and then it says in Nehemiah 1, 1 to 2, 1 to 5, in the month of Nisan, I heard they bring out some skylines in that month too, which is pretty cool. In the 20th year of that king, when wine was brought to him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look sad when you were, when you were not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. Just a reality check. For him to be sad in the presence of the king should mean a death sentence. I was very afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has, has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it, so that I can rebuild it. The second building block is that Nehemiah activates his purpose. You see, proximity brings purpose. Without proximity to God, we will never have purpose, we'll never have a vision, we'll never have a plan. You see, I was just talking about the epidemics of mental health issues. I don't think we have mental health epidemics. We have purpose epidemics. The, the Word of God says, without vision, the people perish. Schools aren't teaching visions. Universities aren't teaching visions. Evolution is not teaching vision. Saying that you're just a cosmic mistake is not vision. It's death. But God brings purpose. But God brings vision. But God brings his power. And it's the reality of that message that because we have been in proximity with the king, we bring his purpose with us. Notice he didn't have to go away and pray for four days and come back to the king to tell him what he needed to do. He had prepared, he had fasted, he had prayed already behind the scenes. So when the moment came, I know what I need and I know what I'm doing. I don't need to pray about it. I don't need, I just need the opportunity, God. You bring the opportunity, I'll say yes, and I'll let the journey begin. You bring the opportunity, I'm just going to keep on saying yes, and let the journey begin, because we can have what we want, we just have to build it. We can have what we want, we just have to build it. We don't live without vision. We don't live without purpose when we have proximity. Proximity and God's vision go hand in hand. We must not allow ourselves to become desensitized to the world around us. But we must allow our proximity to God to break our hearts 
to give us a purpose and to give us vision. And here's the thing, it will always impact others, the vision that God gives us. See, there are businessmen, there are businesswomen, there are school teachers, there are lawyers, there are mums and dads, there are people in school, there are teenagers everywhere in this room. But the thing is, whatever we, whatever we do, we do it to impact people. Businesses can impact people. Teachers impact people. Students, you impact people. Everybody, everywhere, if you're part of the church, our mission is to impact people. We just need to keep our proximity, and he'll provide the plan. Nehemiah 2, 7 to 9. I love this part. It says this. And I also said to him, so he's asked, can he go? The king said, yes, you can go. And then Nehemiah gets bold. <laughs> I love it. He said, and I also said to him, if it pleases the king, May I have letters to the governors of those guys so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah? And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, he granted my request. Listen, listen to this. So I went to the governors of those guys and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent, an army office, an, uh, sent army officers and cavalry with me. So the next building block that Nehemiah activates is provision. See, our God doesn't just send us with what's necessary. He sends us with the over and above. When we get in proximity, when we get his plan, he unlocks the provision. And he, he was bold. At the start of the year, I said to the youth team, it's time to ask big. I'm not asking small things this year. I'm crying out for a generation this year. We are crying out for a generation because a generation need Jesus. They need his reality. They need his, they need his presence more than ever. And we can't get casual with our Christianity. Our Christianity cannot be casual. It's a mission. It's a statement. It's a bold move. It's brave. But it's worth it. And when we get bold, just like Nehemiah says, you know what, I'm allowed to go, but I'm gonna ask for more. I'm allowed to go, but I'm, I don't just serve a God who's just gonna let me go. I'm gonna serve a God who's gonna give me something to enhance my ability to do this process even quicker. And so he says, give me the letters. And the king says, yeah, you can have the letters. Then God goes even over that and he sends the whole king's cavalry with him. See, God doesn't just want to send the bare necessities. He's going over and above. When we get with his plan, when we get with his purpose, he's moving in ways that we haven't seen him do. Every knee, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is not out of resource. Heaven is not empty. Miracles are not done. They're not for one season and not for another. They are for today. The same God that began the good work in us will finish the good work in us. The same God that raised Christ from the dead is the same God who's gonna raise us up into new life. As we have been united with Christ in his death, come on somebody, we're gonna be raised to life in his life. 
That's who we are. That's what we do. Proximity, purpose, provision. We're going with the king's cavalry. Nehemiah would have been rolling around with the king's cavalry, the king's horsemen, the king's soldiers. Could you imagine the confidence in Nehemiah as he's going across these borders? Remember, 800 miles he had to go just to get to Jerusalem. But now he's rolling in style. (laughs) That's the church. We don't do this alone. We do this with God by our side. Take confidence in that. We can have what we want. We just have to build it. What are we building? What, are we, what, have, we, what have we put the groundwork in this year? Where did we start building? And then distraction or circumstance or situation has just caused that thing to crumble. Where have we gone from believing big Believing God for more, believing that God could save our family, save that friend, to not believing that much anymore. Where, have, where has our passion not led? Where has our passion died away? Where did we start and we we're believing and our, our faith was sky high that now it can barely even get to church on Sunday? Where are we tonight? We can have the faith we want. We can have the life we want. We can have the family we want. We can have whatever we want. We can have the world we want. We can have the Gold Coast that we want. We can have Ormo that we want. We can have households that we want. We can have Gilston. We can have Narang. We can have Surface Paradise. We can have every school that we want, every university that we want. We can have every workplace that we want, but we're going to have to build into it. We're going to have to build into it. Proximity leads to purpose, and his purpose unlocks his provision. When we align our hearts to God, he does, he, we're doing it with God. We're never working for him. We're doing it with him. For him, puts the pressure on us. With him, makes us walk in the, in, the, in the responsibility and walk in the power and walk in the authority that he's already given. Let me pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you, Lord, for these keys tonight. God, I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you're already in this room. You don't need an invitation. But Holy Spirit, for those, including myself, in areas where we've lost proximity. God, I just ask that you would just highlight what is it that we need to do? Or even right now, just bring your presence. Bring your inspiration, bring your encouragement. Bring that word that we need to hear. Holy Spirit, I thank you, Lord, that you want to draw near to us. That you are near to us. That you're closer than the air that we breathe. And I just ask that an awareness for us in this busy world, in this distracting world, that we would have an awareness this week of your presence. God, even those for those who are going back to situations and circumstances that they don't know the answers to, I just ask, Father God, that even amongst the chaos, 
we would feel your presence. We would feel your proximity. And we would know, God, that you are good. God, I ask that your plan and your purpose and your will would fall over each and every person. God, for those who are struggling with their purpose, even right now. Well, for every person who's just, just saying, I don't know why I'm here. I thank you, Lord, that your purpose and your vision would just rain down. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're the God of vision. God, I just, Lord, I just ask that you would just unlock everything. That you would encourage us, that you would build us, that you would give us a plans, destinies, God. That you would speak into potential. Draw out, Lord, the mighty men and women of God in this room. Father God, I just pray for your provision. Lord God, for every person who's stressed, for every person who's just trying to do the thing, the thing that you've called them to do, who's just trying to build that life that you've called them to build, who's just trying to impact those people who you've called them to impact, for that person, for that mum, for that dad who's been praying for their prodigal son and daughter to come home. God, I just ask that right now that your provision would find them, that God, your provision of faith, your provision of mercy, your provision of grace, your inspiration, God, I thank you, Lord, that you've given us the ability to build the life that we want. And I pray tonight that we would say yes to you. In your holy name, and everybody said, amen.